We wish to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land we are recording on in Perth, Western Australia. The Wadjuk people of the Noongar Nation. We wish to acknowledge their continuing culture. And pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. In a world where the lives of everyday people are preordained by the script that must be followed, a ragtag team of scamps dare to speak their highly unqualified opinions publicly. They dare to go off script. Unscripted, the film show. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. You can't handle the truth. Man, I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Here's Johnny. You're going to need a bigger boat. I'll have what she's having. Want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Unscripted, the film show. I am Cecilia and in the studio is Lewis and Rachel. I really thought you were going to say, in the right corner. <laughs> in the right corner. Is that what they say? Um, I don't think they really do that much anymore. No? Maybe boxing? Not wrestling, but maybe boxing. Oh. <laughs> uh, but I don't watch much, much boxing. I'm, so. I'm Rachel as well. Did I say that? <laughs> No, you did. That's, 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 did you say that? She, I said, said that. that. Yes. I did. Oh, you did. Okay. Like the good host she is. Oh, that's good. Um, on script tonight's my friends, we have a big show for you tonight. We do. Um, it's uh, Barbenheimer week, and you know what that means? Two two very very big movies which are completely different going to head to head, and a lot of people are saying, "Which are you going to say? See." So I guess Why you not could both? Say one is in the right corner and one is in the left, going head to yes. head in a match. Well done with that segue. Um, yeah, but I don't think there is. Uh, you don't need to choose. You could see both. You can if if you like myself and enjoyed both. So there's your quick review. Both good, <laughs> there, but we'll be in more detail. Yeah, it was a. Uh, it's an interesting, interesting week because they they are two. Very different films mm. uh, by two very different filmmakers, um, and, and I think um, you know that you know, Oppenheimer was done by Christopher Nolan. And you think? No, no, no I, I know was. it was. I know it was, uh, and that Barbie was directed by Greta Gerwig. Mm. Um, and uh, I think just for funsies, uh, next year they should like swap, and uh, we should have uh, Christopher Nolan direct a Barbie film and have uh, Greta Gerwig do an Oppenheimer film. Or just like a kitschy version of like, you know, of them. That would be interesting. Yeah. Like a wartimey kind of movie for Greta Gerwig because mm. he's done Dunkirk as well. He has, yes. And yeah. and he can do like a quirky female story. He hasn't done that yet. I'd no. Like to, I'd like to see that. I'd like to see how you'd, you'd I don't know to... that I need a man talking to me about my female <laughs> experience. He could do a little women. Adaptation? Oh my god, we've had enough little women adaptation. No, but it's a time. The Greta Gerwig <laughs> it's, one it's was a time good. with Greta Gerwig. Mm. We'll see if what Christopher Nolan. No, has I to want. Say. I want him to do like a Barbie movie. Like I want mm. to see. I want him to challenge himself. We've seen him do dark. We've never seen him do light, fluffy, bubbly stuff. Like I want to see like a Christopher Nolan rom com. Let's see this. I want. Let's wanted, put it out there. That's a bloody good idea. Can you imagine him doing a rom com? Mm-hmm. That'd be. It'd be a dark rom-com. It'd yeah. be very dark humour. 
Well, it'd be good because I, I think Cillian Murphy uh, needs to uh, get out of his shell. Uh, he's done a lot of Nolan films, always playing very dark characters. So I think it's, it's his face. Yeah, I think it's time now for him to be like the leading man in a rom com. He's, he's a very serious looking dude. The guy to do it. <laughs> it's it's interesting. Um, there's a lot of chatter online about okay, so these are both out this week. What do you watch first? Mm-hmm. And so there's the whole okay. You're going to maybe be a bit... It's Oppenheimer's quite heavy. You might end up a little bit stressed and with some existential dread afterwards. So do you see that first and watch Barbie afterwards or are you not going to enjoy Barbie enough because you're experiencing existential dread, therefore you should watch Barbie first? But you mentioned existential (laughs) dread. I feel like there's plenty of that in Barbie. There is. There's a theme, guys. There's a theme. Existential dread. There's plenty of existential kind of nihilistic tone to Barbie. <laughs> which um, is so weird to say, but Which so is true. very it, weird to say, but very, is. very true. Yeah, I, I, quite um, right. A Perth reviewer. Uh, who I, I shan't name for reasons of keeping him an anonymous. Oh, God, now you know it's a man. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, he uh, wrote a, a review about the the Barbie movie that was like slightly, slightly scathing kind of a review. Um, and it just feel, I just feel like um, he, he maybe missed the point. Maybe, maybe you missed the point of the film. I think either you're the uh, – there's people who are audiences for this and, the, mm-hmm. and there's people who are just not going to get it. Um, because they're not enlightened humans, but one of the things he's, he or put, they don't have a sense of humour. One of the things he put in there is, uh, he said, anyone under twelve understand. Sorry, he said, dial down the Ryan Gosling Oscar buzz because the only thing less likely than him winning one for playing Ken in the Barbie movie is anyone under twelve understanding the point of this film. What? Is, right? Is anyone under twelve? Is uh, Barbie? Is anyone under twelve understanding the point of this film? Wait, so maybe actually, it's maybe, not a. F- Film for twelve-year-olds. He's got a point there. Like, uh, I, I don't think if you've got a kid under twelve, that you should take them to Barbie because mm. they won't get the film. Take them to Oppenheimer yeah. instead. <laughs> no, don't do that. Because yeah. the, the, the film, the, the Barbie film, is not for kids. No, <laughs> it's, no, it's not a kids' film, which is weird. That's the weirdest thing. Is like we're making a film about a beloved toy that's been played with for, by generations of girls. But it's not a kid's film. I would argue, I mean, I don't have a a girl child, um, but, I mean, he does play with my Barbies on the odd occasion, but I don't think that the children of today are going out and buying heaps of Barbies. So I under, he makes another comment that it's a bit of a money grab, and I do understand that. Barbie has become huge now because of all this hype. Mm-hmm. I do hear what you're saying there, but I think it's, kind of it's a love letter to I, I guess we're doing a review of Barbie first guys it's happening um <laughs> it's kind of a love letter to all the women who grew up with Barbie as their favorite toy which really hit the peak I feel like in the 70s and 80s mm, like mm. high peak in the 80s when when I grew up and really saying what did we learn from these dolls and what is it what does it mean to be female you know, that's what it's about. It's a, um, yeah, it's interesting. Actually, you've you've have brought your Barbies in. I have so, so 
Shall we give a tiny synopsis of well, Barbie? Because well, you don't want to. Do you want to experiment a let's, bit? Let's talk around Barbie. Let's talk and around Barbie. Like, the first fifty minutes show is usually just shooting the shiznit. So mm. we'll, we'll do that, and then we'll do Barbie after the first break. So, okay. So we, we've got a box here. You got a green box. Um, well, see, it, it's it, it's decorated because it's a shoe box, and I needed to specify in this box there is Barbies. Right. In this box there is treasure. Mm-hmm. Not real treasure, obviously. It's a child's toy box, but. I have stuck treasure on the outside, so you know what's in there. Anyway, it's a way of identifying it. Um, and in this Barbie movie, there is a, a Kate McKinnon is playing the weird Barbie. Yes. Now, this is a Barbie that's been played with too hard um, and had her hair cut off and been drawn on. Ladies and gentlemen. We've all had, we all had one of those. Just Did we have uh, one? I, I had more than one. Did we have one oh, or Oh, my family? God. Oh, that poor thing. Oh, <laughs> oh that's terrible. <laughs> The baby's oh. even got haircuts, guys. Oh, my gosh. So we'll, I'll post some pictures of this on um, on the Facebooks. There's there's Ken. There's Ken. Um, and I'll have you know he's wearing Barbie's shorts there. Ken looks a lot bigger than, than, than Barbie does. Like, they're not... Uh, not really. Uh, I suppose he's like... She's wearing high heels. Let's push her <laughs> feet down and see how tall she'd be. Careful, she'll get existential crisis. She will get an existential yeah. crisis if that happens. But, yeah, as you can see... Oh, sorry, his pants are falling down. Oh, yeah, well, they're Barbie's pants. He's wearing underpants. He like, is wearing underpants. Good job. As you'll notice, Barbie is not wearing underpants. Oh. There is no visible. Um, I mean, who are we to say? But there is a bum. Who are we there, to say that crack, she has yeah. to wear underwear? There's a butt crack. There is a butt crack. Yeah. There is a butt crack. Mm. Well, I mean, there's a hint of of shapeliness in that area. I didn't realise this Barbie's neck was broken. <laughs> But this, uh, so that's something they didn't do in the film was pull someone's head off. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know because we all did that and like swapped the heads around. And then if you squeeze it <laughs> down really far, they've got like no neck, so, like an NRL player. So, so you, or they can have a really tall neck. Like I, th- that. I think Ken got lucky that he had uh, plastic hair that you didn't actually get to shear yes, his head. Because my two female Barbies have sh- <clears throat> all their hair cut off. And the little baby girl and baby boy also have all of their hair cut off. And they also have a bum. Right. Bum crack. Now, these these Barbies, uh, they they remind me um, of... uh, Let's put the babies in their their little cot. They remind me of Les Les Miserables. In this um, sitting here. uh, When when Anne Hathaway got her head Mm. shaved. That's that's the kind of yeah, thing that's going on here. I think when I left my room, they cried as much as Anne Hathaway did when I cut their hair. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think I think that's little the rocking case. horse. So I did this keep. Is a, like this is insanity. This is like a, you know, uh, I, I think uh, a bit of um, psychopath kind of behaviour going on here. Are you telling me I'm a psychopath? Possibly. I mean, I'm not. I cut my own hair too. Who chewed? I have no impulse control. Who chewed on the um, on the Barbie's hands and then? Who chewed on the Barbie's hands? That would and then gave this Barbie a stigmata. Apparently, <laughs> no, she had a ring at one stage. <gasps> oh yes, I remember. You could purchase little. Um, well, no, she was born could... with a ring. She was born. Yeah, she came with a ring. She came with because she's that's to indicate she's married. She's married, right? Um, because she can't have babies if you're not married. Um, and I believe that may have been my cat. Ah. Um, did um, did this one here looks like uh, Florence Henderson, who was in Oppenheimer? Uh, when Florence she, Henderson was not in so, Oppenheimer, pretty sure. Florence Pugh, sorry. My, okay. My apologies. I'm, I'm just like I'm still stunned by the 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 the, the, the 
job that you've done on these Barbie's hair. I feel um, like Florence, oh, next week I'll Florence bring you... Pugh, uh, when she was in that like see-through dress mm. that she went to a, a premiere of, uh, that was kind of similar to this one. It's so a beautiful one. dress, other than the little bit of blue tack that's on there. <laughs> 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 oh these my dudes, God. my dudes, these are 35 years old, okay? Yes. What happened with my accent? Um, but I can't I, believe you. I mean, I, I... So I've got some clothes from the circa 80s and you can see there's some matchy-matchy going on there. Some lovely pink with with some love hearts. And then you've got some vintage stuff from my mum's era. You've got a nice faux coat, Ooh. faux fur coat with like suede. This one's also a suede. I believe this might be a getting married Um dress you've got this lovely i'm sorry this is not a visual medium because everyone is missing out but this is ken's original outfit guys um it's inside out because my son has played with these last um and you can see it's got a lovely lovely (laughs) pink tie oh my goodness um some some white pants and a shirt and so what happened to the original barbie and ken that like would don these clothes they are the original Barbie and Ken. So, so these ones are your mum's Barbies and Ken. No, these are mine. Oh, no. My mum, I think by the time I got this stuff, um, I didn't get handed down her Barbies. I just got handed down some of her stuff, uh-huh. some of her clothes, like these lovely jumpers. Is that what they're called? Yeah. They, Riding they, horse yeah. thingies. And here's another little fur. That's definitely circa my mum's era. So some of the stuff in here. Oh, and this one, because this hat's much too big for now, Barbie, for 80s Barbie. This is definitely a 60s Barbie hat. Um, yeah, so got plenty of stuff here to play with on our when we go to a break. I'm surprised that you've got yours because I didn't keep any of my Barbies or her clothes. Dude, I like even that. have a but pair of shoes. Not one singular shoe, two. I've two. got two. But I don't understand because they're flats mm. and mm-hmm. these Barbies don't have flat feet. But I think that's because they may have been skippers. I did have skipper at one point. Oh. So anyway, well, we will we'll take post a some break. pictures. Yes. Uh, and we'll continue to um, play with these Barbies uh, and come back. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Yes, what an entertaining uh, small break we had there with uh, the, the Barbies in studio looking yeah. at them. I used to have the Spice Girl. Oh, Barbie. Yeah. And I had yeah. all of them. I had Scary Spice, Baby Spice, and like, because they were quite expensive, or at least, you know, for a kid, they're quite expensive. So I'd get one, you know, on special occasions, yes. one for my birthday, or, you know, one for my um, Christmas present until I got the entire collection. But I do have a very, very vivid memory of one of my earliest memories waking up in the morning Christmas uh, day on no my birthday Ah. my dad had left a Barbie doll next to my um, bedside table because he had to go to work early and I remember it being in a box sitting there for me that we it it is truly one of my earliest memories wow uh, that I can trace back and it I just yeah vividly remember waking up and it it was there because he had to go to work and uh yeah which was quite nice so I definitely had Barbies and it's just weird that that sticks in my mind so what did you do with the Barbies what did the Barbies cut any of their hair I did. Um, I'm not a psychopath. But I, what I enjoyed most about Barbie was the, the clothes and the outfits and dressing Barbie up in different styles. Geez, they're hard to put on, though. I'm struggling to put Ken's yeah. pants on. I think for me that was my favourite. And then obviously getting a selection of different, you know, in, you know, you could go to the shops and get, you know, a different type of Barbie, uh, you know, vet Barbie or Dr Barbie or, you know, this, this Horse is an, riding Barbie. This is an age difference thing, right? So I've got stereotypical Barbie in blonde mm-hmm. and stereotypical Barbie um, in brown. Yeah. 
So as in a blonde and a, a brunette. Yes. That's, that's, and a Ken and two babies. Nowadays, I didn't, like in That's when they like bought out, I think they were more expensive maybe, the vets and stuff. But in the 80s, once, yeah, I was too old to get any of the ones with jobs. Mine were just mums. <laughs> any of the ones with This jobs? is just mum and mum's friend. Well, that's interesting. Uh, like the, the, the Barbie movie has got yeah. one of the, the greatest uh, openings of all time, uh, which is a, uh, a spoof of the 2001 A Space Odyssey mm-hmm. opening. Um, and it's talking about uh, uh, girls and girls loving dolls. And yep. predominantly the dolls that girls loved were... Baby dolls. Mm-hmm. That's because all that's they didn't have a choice. That's yeah, yeah, all that yeah. existed. And and then uh, so uh, they, they would be playing the mother role. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, this uh, blonde bombshell who um, just wants to walk around on tippy toes all the time for some reason um, came into the world, and uh, and Barbie was born. Uh, and it's it's a really. A great introduction to the film, but it's kind of like it starts in like a Barbie film. You expect the opening to be really upbeat and like fun and everything like that, but it's a really kind of bleak opening. It is, but um, it's great. And then uh, after that, it sets a tone though. And then after that, you go you go to Barbie World and you see what Barbie's life is like, and it's like you know. The, the 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 song I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Uh, can we put a proviso that we don't play that song at the end of tonight's show? I, I think we should play it at the end of the tonight's show. Ooh. I think there's no You're other the song. Tiebreaker, Cecilia. There's no other song you can play. I know. I was thinking heavily about this. Do we play this song at the end, or do we just not? I just feel like everyone. <laughs> I feel like everyone's playing it though. I want to be like the the band, the band, the team, the, the band that does okay. not play. Let's get the band back together, if guys. We, if we don't play it, then you need to come up with another song that we play at the end that references one or both of the films we saw this week. I have to find, well, find something that's got the word bomb in it. That can't be hard. <laughs> Are we good? Sex okay. bomb, sex bomb. Oh, my yum. God. Please, be, that works because it's a bomb and he's talking about sex, which is kind of like what, what Barbie is like overly sexualising children and all that sort of stuff. Isn't that a point they're trying to make, one no, of them? I don't think so. No? I, didn't, I didn't think that. I shall no. we? Shall we? We'll, we'll, dwell, I think we we'll dwell on this, but let's kick off yeah. I think Barbie. it's time. Let's yeah. do it. I'll just keep playing here. You guys I was review. I was actually trying to start the review before. Oh, I think, sorry. I think I got to around somewhere. Sorry. I, I did warn you that yeah. my ADHD was like yeah. off the hook today. Um, but the uh, yeah the, the so the Barbie movie uh, it is uh, directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, it oh, I forgot. I completely forgot. At one point in time, uh, the Barbie movie was supposed to star Amy Schumer. Mm-hmm. And that was a different version of the, the the Barbie movie. So this this thing has been in production or, or been trying to be produced since like two thousand and seven or around. It's been a very long 2009, time. Two thousand nine, I think. But yeah, either okay. way, a long time. Yeah, a long time. And it's gone through different studios, mm-hmm. and that always baffles me. Is that like a studio owns a property like this? You think Barbie is going to be a successful movie, and then it just kind of yeah, all falls apart, and another studio does it. Um, so this one is coming out from uh, Warner Brothers. Uh, there's a very nice uh, pink Warner Brothers logo at the start of the film. Um, and it's a um, it starts off, as you would expect, a Barbie movie. Like, everything is awesome. Uh, no, that's Lego, sorry. Um, 
Uh, but the, every day is great. She kind of like wakes up and she gets out of bed and, you know, her drink is right, her breakfast is right, she sees all of her friends. There's and, no stairs. She just floats downstairs. Yeah. That was um, that was Margot Robbie's request, actually, to oh. have no stairs. Nice. Um, so it's a, it's, a, it's a really great existence until uh, all of a sudden she kind of like starts thinking about stuff and uh, and then kind of like, yeah, just she has a existential crisis as you mentioned before, um, and just wondering what uh, everything is all about. Um, and then she gets told that she must go to the real world and discover like the the girl who's playing with her because mm-hmm. obviously the girl who's playing with her is going through some stuff, and that stuff is invading Barbie and Barbie world, and she needs to go and fix it. Is this you telling me to stop playing with my old Barbies? <laughs> No, um, you're doing a very good job. Thank you. um, now, so that she goes. You've seen the trailer. You know that she goes to the human world, and Ken comes along with her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like for me, I think the the, the, the film takes kind of like a, a bit of a, a tangent in that you know Barbie goes there and she gets one thing out of the real world, and Ken goes there and gets another thing out of the real world. Um, and then when they go back to Barbie world, it has an effect on the the whole thing is is brilliant. Like it is, it's it's funny, it's it's heartfelt. Um, it's as as Rachel said before, the film is you know based taking like you know sixty years of Barbie being around, and uh, like there's all these references. Like a person like me who knows nothing about Barbie um, can go and enjoy it for for what it is and maybe get a couple of references. Mm-hmm. But hardcore Barbie fans are going to be just like well into this. Can I just point out um, that our friend SJ went to a screening with her Allen doll? She recently bought an Allen oh, doll. Oh, she recently bought an Allen yeah. doll. That's right, specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well done, Wait, SJ. Like she, she bought got a big one? And no, took she it bought a vintage. Her? Oh, I thought she... No, she bought a vintage... One. Allen doll. <laughs> like a big Allen doll there in the cinema. A blow-up one or yeah, what? Yeah, that's what I thought. No. Okay. So she very cleverly went online and bought a vintage Allen doll before the movie came out, knowing that it would, like, skyrocket at some point. Whether she gets rid of it or, or holds it dear to her heart, we're not sure. But, yes, she did totally take a, an Allen doll. She's a clever, clever girl. Um, clever girl. Um, I, will, I will say, though, it's not mint in box, so it's yeah. she's really... The, it is, the, the, it the, is the not value, mint. It's like, Shame. Shame. You can't play with it if, if, if it's not mint in... If you don't need it in a box. You've got to play with it. That's, no, no, you just, toys need to be played with. See, there, there, there's, Look uh, what happened to Stinky Pete. Oh, very yeah. cool. I think, you know, with this film as well, we learn that both worlds, the real world and the Barbie world, are polar opposites as well. You know, you've yeah. got Barbie world, which is very much, you know, feminism, and then you hit the real world where you learn, hmm, maybe we've still got a little way to go with the, the whole feminism and, you know, women are still working hard to get a long uh, way to go. <laughs> recognised a long way. But I think, yeah, you've got those polar opposite but, uh, worlds there. But also, both worlds are not perfect. Exactly. Because mm. Barbie clearly is not living her best life if she's starting to, you know, feel uncomfortable. I know that there's like a, it's maybe coming from the outside, but, you know, something's going on, you know? Yeah, there's a real moral and, and heart to the story and you, you learn a lot about this and, you know, 
I think for there was a very brief moment in time, or there might still be this moment where people look at Barbie as you know an unrealistic expectation of what a woman should mm. look like for a really long time. But I think when you go and see this film, there's talk of well, you know, Barbie isn't that Barbie showing you you can be anything? You can be you can be anything as long as you've got a small waist. <laughs> But they had some, and you're mostly white. They, they had some like diverse sized Barbies in the, yeah. in the in the film. They they did, and in real life they did as well. But it's very few, and mm. yeah, I think for like if I was to have a child that was female, I would feel uncomfortable buying Barbie. I have yeah. to be do, honest. Do people buy like do? Young girls buy Barbies, or or are they? Because the whole Bratz thing came about like you know not, not long ago as well. I and think there's geez, a that was twenty whole, years ago, dude. Was that twenty years ago? I'm think, pretty sure. Yeah. I think there's a whole lot more available to to girls. But I know I've been down the toy aisle recently, and I've seen. Don't ask me why, um, but there is a selection why? of Barbies still available mm. to people. And yeah, I often look at them and go, "Oh my gosh, I didn't have that when I was young. How amazing!" You know, you get the whole package, the house, the car, like it's. It's kind of cool. But, uh, yeah, the film is its interesting because I think there's still a strong part of people who go, oh, you know, is Barbie setting that, you know, unrealistic unreal- expectation for what women should look like? No, I think versus, the media is doing that. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, but I think, yeah, it, it, it's a difficult conversation. And, you know, that, I think it's quite, a, I don't know, I watched this film and had a kind of mixed messages. I think there's a lot of, there's a moral there and there's a lot of heart to the story and, you know, a lot of laugh out loud moments. But, yeah, there's still a little inkling of me that goes, oh, I don't know. You know, yeah. She, all the Barbies looked amazing in this movie, and it was they like... did. I must say, there wasn't there wasn't much diversity, mm-hmm. and I do understand that to a point, though, because that's that's like I'm Mattel is fully behind this movie. It's it's like they've got their brand mm. right at the start, so they're obviously comfortable with what they're saying. But it is kind of still true that generally speaking, there's still not a lot of diversity when it comes to the Barbie selection. But again, mm-hmm. I haven't been down that aisle for a very long time. I thought in the in the movie, like as far as uh, ethnicities and stuff like that went, they had like a diverse range of Kens and a diverse mm-hmm. range of Barbies. They were bang on with that. It was body sizes they didn't. Yeah, they, but they did have yeah. some. They did have like uh, some uh, larger. Barbies they had as one. Well. And they had the pregnant Barbie as well. Oh, that, that was kind of a. Although they did admit that, that was, was kind an of in a mistake. <laughs> um, but they, yeah. So, but they, they. I think they're starting to like you know. Uh, I think there was a Barbie in a wheelchair as well. Mm. If it was a mistake, there was yes. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it's good that it's not the Barbie that I remember as a kid because the Barbie I remember as a kid was the the blonde Barbie mm-hmm. or the the brunette Barbie. Um, uh, but it was yeah, it was good to see the the, the, the variations. They even had mermaid Barbies. They mm-hmm. mermaids aren't even real. So. <laughs> <laughs> what? How dare you? I think Greta Gerwig is get Greta Gerwig is trying not to be too biased either. She's yeah. not pushing an agenda in this film. She's kind of just putting it out there. And letting you make up your own mm. mind about the story and the real world. Do you know what I mean? Like, I would one hundred percent agree with that. Yeah, because you feel like she's not trying to tell you what you need to believe in or pushing there's, an agenda. Yeah, there's no preaching going on or anything. I mean, yes, there is um, towards the end a scene where America Ferrara, um, Ferrara, Ferrera. Yeah, look. Anyway, America, um, yeah, yeah. who America. plays Gloria, who is the the lady from the real world, does a rather long monologue about how it is to be a woman and the the contradictions of, you know, you need to be 
thin, but you can't say you're watching what you eat for your weight. You, you're saying I have to be healthy, but you're still being healthy, and but you have to be thin. Mm. Um, and that was just one element. There was a lot of other stuff. Um, and I think to a point I hope that that message gets across to some people because it is – I'm sure I'm I'm sure there's lots of hard things about being a male as as well and a person in general but No, it's great. <laughs> but you know, it is hard and mm. I feel like I have to apologize all the time for for just existing, you know, because that's just how I've grown up and you know, you got to be nice, you got to be polite. Um, you know, don't be too don't ask for too much money. Like basically everything she said, I 100% feel and I'm like, "Yep, that's totally you've just captured mm. my life in a nutshell lady so i think there's a lot of people who are going to be like yeah preach girl and then there's a lot of people who are like going to say this movie sucks but that's the thing is that people like the people who need to see this film uh, are not so much i'm not going to say it <laughs> yeah the, the women the women who like see this film are going to appreciate it and go yep that's right on yeah for very true but then it's the the men who are the the dude bros who need to go and see this film that won't and they're the ones that need to get that message so um yeah i know enlightened humans like yourself and and my husband you you thoroughly enjoyed it and i'm sure if chris saw it he'd be also laughing but yeah this this film like if i had to give it like a one word review i would say balanced Hmm. like because it isn't like you know there's a, a feminist uh, agenda to it, which is, of course, there is. Um, but there's also like you know, it's not homage to, to, to Barbie. It's uh, you know, it's not kicking you if you are a fan of Barbie. It's not uh, you know, bagging you out if you don't like Barbie. It, it's just like she just puts everything on front street, and as you said, you can make mm. up your mind. And yeah, I, I thought it was a. There's no one else I could imagine that could make a Barbie movie. No, and make it as good as this. Honestly, it's perfection Mm. like there was not one thing wrong with that film i think a lot of people may disagree um but i mean it had dance numbers in it who doesn't who does not want to see dance numbers who does not want to see those boys like you know coming onto the dance floor and you know clapping on beat with julepa who doesn't want to see that whenever i hear that song come on the radio i'm just i know i'm back there (laughs) i've been listening to the album at work like on my headphones just be like you know i don't really like julepa but at the moment Loving that song because I can just see the dance move going on. I, I think this, this film like is going to be able to uh, bridge that gap between mm-hmm. being like hopefully financially successful, but also a cult film. Mm. Like I can see people going back to this and watching this year after year after year. Like, but again, this is a, a film for you know I think tweens up, um, and really its audience is like 20, 30, 40, 50 year old, six year old women. Yeah. That that that's the audience for for this film. But mm. if you are in uh, in that demographic and you do have a a partner with male uh, genitalia, take them as well. Take them as well to go and see this film because men need to see this film because like. Because you know, it's funny. There's, and there's not Get a, lot, a sense of humour. Yeah, and there's not a lot of films that, that, like, you know, put on the, you know, how difficult it is being a woman on Front Street like this film mm-hmm. does. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I thought it was fantastic. Um, I reckon we should probably score it. I think now. it's time to score it. Yeah, I'm going to give this four and a half weird Barbies because that's how many I've got. Love it. Well, Ken's not that weird. <laughs> like, Ken's the one you haven't. Well, up. he's the half. Oh, he's the half. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yep, yep. Fair enough. Okay. Um, Cecilia? I'm going to score this for Barbie Dream Houses. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am going to score this um, five 
irrelevant board of directors. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know as well, despite this film being incredibly overhyped and, and whatnot, you still go in and because I thought I was going to go in and be disappointed because Same. it was so hyped up. I had a, so much fun. So uh, don't be too cautious about that or scared that you're not going to enjoy the film because it's been so hyped up. I think uh, there's, there's a lot... A lot of heart to this film as well, a moral, and you can take away, you know, whatever meaning you want. Uh, but I think, yeah, there's there's plenty to say there. So uh, in that, we may take another break and come yeah. back and uh, go to a completely different film. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. Yes, Unscripted Nights, the biggest show of the year so far. Talking Barbie and Oppenheimer, the two biggest films, uh, I would say, of this year. Well, I mean, we are only halfway through the year, but it's been just a media storm with these two it has. films back and forth. What are you going to see? Are you going to see both? Uh, but uh, we have spoken about Barbie. We have shared our thoughts. If you missed that, you will now have to go to the podcast version. Yes, and, um, but I have included some lovely photos on my um, Insta, which is Rach underscore unscripted, and also on our Facebook uh, unscripted. And, um, you know, Very someone... happy family here. Is this an open arrangement? <laughs> the... <laughs> No, or as you can her sister. I explained that it was her, or it could be her sister, but I always thought it was her friend. Ah. Like, so I would play, like, I'm going out, Ken, with my bestie, and you can take care of the kids. Gotcha. That was my thing. We were always going on girls' nights, gotcha. you know? Ken yeah, was like, nice. stay at home, mate. Love it. Uh, Oppenheimer <laughs> is. What? In the, in the um, Every Night is Girls' Night. <laughs> Every Night is Girls' Night. Woo! <laughs> uh, but I feel like I need to pack them away because Oppenheimer is. Does I feel like it's not Barbie friendly? But they're a nuclear family, aren't they? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was funny. I'm, I appreciated I'm just, I'm, that. I'm, I'm out. I, I don't think I can do anything better than that tonight. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was incredible. Congratulations uh, on that. That was wonderful. Gold. Comedy gold. Now this is a film I haven't seen. I'm going to go see it tomorrow. But you have both indeed uh, seen the film. You have sat in the cinemas for three hours. Didn't feel like it. Good, good. Well, I think you should. I, I don't know. I, I was sitting there for three hours going, I really need to go to the toilet, mm. but I'm, I'm not going to go. Just gonna, gonna, Didn't gonna, find that break, that perfect there, moment. There was no like moment right. in the film where you could go, okay, I can leave now mm-hmm. and go and avail myself of the lavatory. Yeah. Um, because the, the the film, like, uh, you, you saw Dunkirk. I did see okay. Dunkirk. So, One of, oh, I love that film. <laughs> mm, so incredible. Dunkirk was uh, Chris Nolan. Uh, playing with time in a way where he had uh, like one thing was happening over a course of a few days or something Mm -hmm. and the next one was over a course of a few hours and the next thing was over a course of a few minutes and you see bits of each of those kind of like stories um, you know coming together until they all like you know come together at the end Um, in Oppenheimer like because generally speaking with a um, biopic you will have the story of a time in a person's life. Linear. And, and it'll be very linear and you'll see see mm-hmm. the film that way. Or you've, you, sometimes you'll have two, flashbacks. like one is clearly um, the future and the other one is clearly the past, mm. but the past is in linear. Yeah. Whereas I found like, am I right in saying there's three, there's like three timelines going on in this there's, film? There's three kind of stories that are happening. You've got uh, and... It's told through 
um, two two characters in the in the film. Um, one of which is Oppenheimer himself, Cillian Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, is it Cillian or Killian? Killian, Cillian. Um, I've heard I Cillian. Cillian. I've heard both, okay. but who knows? Um, Cillian Murphy, and the other one is. See, I was going to say I've got a friend who's actually Killian. And okay. that's his name. Mm. We'll research it on the break, guys, or you can do it. Alan, can you check it on YouTube and see how Cillian Murphy pronounces his name and just send us a message? Because you would think with, with, <laughs> if it was Killian, it would start with be a cane or a C. Anyway. Oh, actually, yeah, I think you're right. You're yeah. right. Um, anyway, so uh, the, the two stories you've got, uh, Cillian Murphy, he is uh, like – this is later on in his career, and he's like a you know person who uh, works for the government. And mm-hmm. uh, to do that, you need to have a uh, like you know high level clearance. And his high level clearance has now been uh, lapsed, and he needs to get his clearance back again. But he's going through this committee that's got to approve him to get his um, uh, his security clearance back. Oh, I'm um, very sorry, but the. Um, uh, when they go through that, they're going through his his past, and, and in his past, he was associated with the Communist Party, and he uh, had relationships with people within the Communist Party. And this being America, and the the, the Reds under the bed, and all that kind of stuff, uh, they were very you know cautious about you know giving him clearance if he may be still a bit of a commie. Um, and so that's one of the the storylines you're seeing. Another storyline mm. you're seeing is Lewis Strauss. Uh, who was the like the director of this uh, like nuclear? It was an ECC that he was the director of, or an institute. So the ECC was what does it stand for again? I'm not sure. Explosive. <laughs> well, they, he he was he was basically Something. there was an institute there that was to do with atomic AEC. energy and stuff like that. Atomic Energy yeah. Commission. Yeah. And so he was the he was the guy that was in charge of of that, and he uh, brought Oppenheimer in to you know run the show and everything, and he is uh, sitting for a cabinet position for the the current president, and to get that cabinet position, he's got to go in front of a uh, bunch of senators and stuff like that, and they've got to say, okay, yes, you can be a, a member of the cabinet, or no, you can't be a member of the cabinet, and so you got these two guys who are in these situations where they can you know they're looking for approval to do something. And uh, a lot of it has got to do with their past involvement. Um, well, with Oppenheimer, like with Oppenheimer uh, creating the atomic bomb, and uh, with um, Louis Strauss's relationship with uh, Oppenheimer um, as well. And the again, uh, the, these stories are, uh, are being told, and then you're also seeing the backstory of Oppenheimer, mm. which doesn't. It's not like a one where it's like. Uh, straightforward as well. It kind of like bounces around mm. a little bit. It is fairly linear. I think once his the I think that the past story, the past past story, is fairly linear. Mm. And then you, I think I got a little bit confused where the AEC, like when he's inviting him to the institute, mm. where that fit into the atomic, where he created yeah, the atomic yeah. bomb. Um, but I think that happened. After the yeah, did, atomic yeah. bomb stuff, so um, so there's, there's, there's I think if you're not switched on, you're going to miss stuff. And I think I really appreciated that uh, appreciated that explanation. Oh. And for someone who was not a hundred percent sure of, like I, I got it at the end, but I felt while I was watching it, I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Didn't matter. I was still enthralled. Didn't care. And by the way, it's Killian. It's Killian. Okay, cool. Yeah. But what what he uh, Christopher Nolan did as well uh, was like thanks, Alan. To to make it um, 
to, to, to make it like more obvious what was happening when, he changed the filming style. So uh, all, all the, the Louis Strauss stuff uh, was done in black and white mm-hmm. um, and then there was a kind of a different kind of filming like look to the stuff that's uh, done with the, uh, the uh, Oppenheimer uh, going through his thing uh, and then the, um, the, the main storyline is kind of like just the nice pretty kind of stuff. Mm. Um, but it was great like filmmaking, uh, actors, direction, sound mixing. The sound was just, oh, it's full on. Everything is phenomenal. Honestly, I did, I made a comment today in our little group chat, which I had to feel a bit bad about afterwards. But I watched people leave, I watched one couple leave and I was like very judgy about, I guess you don't understand the movie. (laughs) Um, I totally, there were bits I didn't understand too. Um, but Kat pointed out it's a very sensory, full-on movie, and she's fully correct because there's a po- there's points where you know you hear the bang and it just about you yeah just about poop your pants because it's very sudden, and then there's moments where it's really quiet and there's like you can hear people's breathing and you can hear like footsteps and like it's the way they have done the sound is so incredible and I just like I'm a massive fan of of um Nolan's work anyway the only thing I haven't seen of his is Tenant it's literally the only film I've not seen um Mm. I've been told that um but I find it really interesting how how um Nolan deals with time in movies because it's clearly something he's very interested in Obviously, in this film, you've got different timelines. Tenant is a whole movie about going backwards in time or something. Yeah. Memento is going back in time. Um, you know, and even with Inception, there's a mo- that you know you spin the top and you mm. wonder, are you going back into someone's brain or are you in the present? There's a lot of like, what is reality mm. and what is not. So, and I think in that sense, he's the stuff he explores is always going to be, you know, I keep using the word interesting, but it's kind of the only word I can think of. Um, I I really, really enjoyed this film and I thought Killian. Nice. Killian Murphy. Oh, my God. Have you looked at pictures of him? I know you're not supposed to really do that, but there's pictures of him next to the real Oppenheimer and it's the eyes. There is a an electricity, excuse the word, in his eyes during this film and it might just be because they're so blue. Mm. But when you see a picture of Oppenheimer, you see the electricity in those eyes and I think he's got long lashes, he's got his very, his face is relatively skinny. So I feel like, yeah, he looks so much like him. It's it's crazy. But everyone did such phenomenal jobs in this, not just him. You know, you've got Emily Blunt playing his wife in a very different role that I've ever seen her in actually um and I felt like she did wonderfully in that Florence Pugh's always wonderful and there's a lot of people who have relatively small roles but they're you know well-known actors you've got the guy whose name is escaping me now from Mr Robot um and um Bohemian Rhapsody the main guy Rami yes. Malik. Thank you. He's in this film and his role is relatively small, but I think the thing is Nolan attracts big names and 
they don't care if it's a small part, you know, they want to be in it. And I love that Josh Hartner was a Hartner was in this as well because I've recently I think there's a, a heart heartnessence going on. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Bring him back. But, well he was uh, people liked him. Um and I've recently seen him of course in Black Mirror. Mm. And I feel like, you know what? This guy might have some actual acting chops. He's not just it's not just about the face. Because mm-hmm. I don't know what happened in the last twenty years. Don't know where he's been. He's probably made stuff that I've been unaware of. But I just feel like, oh, he's making some proper stuff. Mm. That this director guy called Kenneth Branagh, he's quite good. I think he's got. I think he's got a future with acting. Yes, I do believe yeah. so. Yes, and uh, I was like, oh, that's a Dutch accent, but that's not a Dutch face. Yeah. I know that face. There's a, there's one actor in there uh, who's early on in the film, uh, James Darcy, who plays Patrick Blackett. Uh, oh yes, and he um, uh, for me he's Jarvis from the mm-hmm. uh, from uh, Agent Carter, and so when I saw him, I was like, oh, it's him, it's Jarvis, um, and also got Jason Clark, Australian actor. Um, yes, he, he looks. Lo- he looks very old in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> everyone can. Everyone in this movie, like you, you look at um, uh, Emily Blunt and Killian Murphy, and uh, lesser degree uh, Matt Damon and stuff like that. But they they played different ages during the film, and so it's really impressive, like the way that they 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 did it, because like they they looked like they were the the age they were playing. Mm. Um, it was a some very very good makeup and effects. And I did the same thing. With Alden... Um, All right. Yes, thank you. For the second time, I've watched a movie and gone, I know that face. Why do I know mm-hmm. that face? And it's, of course, it's, you know, he was in Cocaine Bear recently mm-hmm. and obviously he played Han Solo. Is it because he's just got an everyman face? I don't know. I'm like, is that one of the Hemsworth guys? The the less... Is that Luke? He, um, he, but, just, yeah. he just looked uh, like, uh, you know... He, he had a suit on and stuff like that. It just, mm-hmm. yeah. But he was one of those ones where you kind of like, you know, I know that guy. I know that guy. And then it clicked. Go, oh, yeah, it's Han Solo. And David Crumholtz, he looked very different in this film. Um, the name is probably very unfamiliar to, to many people, but if you saw his face, you'd recognise him from a lot of the early 2000s um, movies. You know, he was in uh, 10 Things I Hate About You and, you know, prophylactic, prophylactic. Oh, there we go. Um, but, yeah, he looks quite different in this film. So I just... <laughs> Matt Damon's um, in there as well. Yeah, I think he was. Oh, Mathis was in there. Yeah, he's like I can't say his last name. He was in it for two seconds. Um, he was playing a German. Yeah, I can't pronounce his name. Either. Yeah, he's a German um, actor, and he played a German character. And uh, yeah, he's like the it's, biggest German actor so in the people, world. Yeah. For people who don't know, um, actually, we'll go to an ad and we'll come back and finish this. Okay, yes, so yeah. let's keep people on the edge of their seats. We'll come back after this and we'll wrap the uh, review up and hear your scores. You're listening to Unscripted, the film show. So, yes, we do have to wrap it up, kiddos. Uh, we were just so excited about Oppenheimer. I ha- we had other stuff that we thought we'd just leave... Um, to talk about, but we just—we're never going to get there. No, no. I think uh, it's, it's just dawned on me uh, that we've just spent the whole show and only talked about two films. Like, when have we ever done that before? I we, think we have what, in the past when mm, they've been big ones. I think that's what people want to hear, though. They want to—they want us to take our time and, and talk about these films and you know give honest and you know 
yeah, reviews. But, uh, one Here's thing a I picture did, for you. One but. thing I didn't mention, though, so Oppenheimer is basically the story of uh, Robert Oppenheimer, the guy who project managed the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb that they dropped onto Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Yes. Um, in uh, to end the uh, Second World War, mm. at least at least the, the Japanese part of the Second yeah. World War. Um, so this this film is like I the only thing I knew about Oppenheimer was he split the atom, split the atom because that was in a Doug Anthony All Star song, um, and so technically he didn't though it was Lawrence or somebody else. Yes, true, true. But yeah, so um, yeah, going in I knew nothing really about Oppenheimer except for like he was involved with the atomic bomb, and then uh, this was a the guy was just you know interesting and a bit of a cad really at the end of the day. He was interesting, <laughs> but I also feel like he you don't come out thinking he's a bad guy or a good guy he's just a guy Mm. and I think that's you said balanced for for Barbie I think his character is balanced as well because you see him as a fully a full human not like oh he's got these character traits Mm. and these ones it's just Mm. he's round he's yeah it's done a very good job. It's just, it's a brilliant film. Really well um, written. It's just one of these things, like, I, I can't believe, like, you know, um, score-wise I'm going to be scoring two films, uh, five in a row. Uh, but Did you give Barbie five? Was I, gave, I not paying attention? I gave Barbie five. That, that was an amazing film. I mean, the the bar that they had to set for that film and what they pulled off, mm. amazing. The only the only issue I had with the film with Barbie was uh, um, the, the Mattel board, um, which is led by Will Farrell, is in in the film and like they're great for this one boardroom scene but then for some reason they keep them in the movie for the rest of the movie mm. and it's like you guys are kind of pointless but maybe that's the I point. think it, I, I think the point is men are irrelevant <laughs> you could be right those men in particular men but yes up, we yeah. need to score I, that's, yes yeah, so Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer. Uh, Oppenheimer I am going to give uh, five I think this is the first time I've seen a sex scene in a uh, in a film done by Christopher Nolan. Hmm. Oh, okay, that was a long one. I'm going to give this um, five sheets to the wind. Nice, nice. There you go, guys. Two big films. You've heard it here first. Well, probably not first, but you've heard it here. <laughs> Um, maybe third. You know, maybe, you know, not the top. But anyway, uh, we'll be, we'll, 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 if I can get my words out, we will be back next week talking, of course, more about films. We'll yes. See you then. I'll bring Bye. Cabbage Batch Doll next week. <laughs> Woohoo! See you then. This podcast has been brought to you by the Gentlemen of Pop Culture. <laughs>